Hi, welcome to our series on Embracing Justice. This is our first session. The topic is Justice as Recreation. Our text for today comes from selected verses from Genesis chapters 1 and 2. First, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 27. So God created humans in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And then from chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and keep it. And then chapter 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper as his partner. Let us pray. Almighty God, help us to discover in the beauty of the created order your intention for the way things it can be, uh, should be. Lord, also help us to work with the help of your Holy Spirit to restore things to your created order. Lord, to open our eyes in the world around us to see things that are out of order, that don't fit with your vision that's very good, and help us to put things back as they should be. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. Our theme for this six weeks is embracing justice. But what is justice? How do we define what is just and what is unjust? Is it just my opinion of what I think is right and wrong? Or do we have a more objective guide? Is it up for me to look in the world and see something going on with people of a different culture or a different race or a different background? And is it up to me to determine that what they're doing is bad or good or right or wrong or just or unjust? Or is there an objective way to measure that? For that answer, we go back to the beginning, back to Genesis chapters 1 and 2, the creation stories. In Genesis 1 and 2, the biblical writers try to tell us something about how the world came into being. But now these are not scientific explanations. The authors of Scripture were not trying to tell us that all that is was created in six 24-hour periods, nor are they concerned with how long ago it was or what the uh, science behind evolution might have been. That was not their purpose. The purpose of these two stories, and there really are two of them, there is a creation story in Genesis 1 that runs through chapter 2, verse 4, and then it changes to another story, and they're, they're very different in some ways. But the stories both reveal the nature of God and of people and of creation. So the creation stories give us a starting point that we can rely on. They give us a measurement by which to look at the rest of the world around us. We use these stories as a compass point to remind us of, of what is good and what is pure. We also use them as a goal for where we're headed because creation, we are co-creators with God. We are working to get back to what God intended. We need these stories to remind us of who we are. Otherwise, the culture will define us, and the culture can be cruel. I know it was for me in, in my early life especially. Uh, when I was in elementary school, my peers started telling me who I was at that early age. And I was surprised to find out outside my family, though, I have very few good memories. I'm so grateful that my family was supportive. But my peers in school began to tell me stuff about myself that I didn't like. 
They told me that I was awkward, that my head was too big for my body. They called me names. They poked fun at me. They even pushed on and kicked me from time to time. They truly made my life hell by telling me what they thought of me. Their judgment of me was harsh and it was brutal and it tried to destroy me. Their definition was tearing me down. So I tried to define myself in a more positive way. I did not want to give in to their definition of me, so I tried to offer something different. I did it by trying to be good enough, by earning good grades, by making straight A's. I thought I could prove myself that way. By the way, straight A's don't impress elementary school students either. I began to practice music, and I became an accomplished pianist, and I thought maybe that would win people over, and while they were impressed with my playing, it didn't win me any friends. I worked in other areas. I became, I worked hard in scouts to earn the rank of Eagle. And again, something I'm very proud of, but again, still trying to prove my worth among others and it wasn't working. I was constantly trying to prove something to somebody. And that way of life is destructive. Constantly having to prove ourselves is not a good way to live. Even religion can give us a distorted view of our essential value. I think about the hymn Amazing Grace, probably the most popular Christian hymn written in the last 500 years. But right in the beginning, you remember, it starts Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That hymn has become so popular that I believe we have assumed that the wretch part is talking about all of us, that we've begun to assume that this hymn tells us how God thinks about us, that God sees us as wretches. But is that really the message we get from Scripture? Is that the message that God has for us? Well, it's important to note that the man who wrote the words to Amazing Grace, a man named John Newton, was very active in the slave trade before coming to Christ. In fact, John Newton did some very wretched things, some very unjust and wretched things. And so when he begins writing his hymn, he's talking about his own personal experience that God's grace is good enough even to save someone involved in the slaving industry. He was writing about his experience. He was not trying to tell us that God's opinion of all of us is that we are wretches. So you see, even religion can feed unhealthy ideas about who we are. So I need something else. I need the scriptures to remind me that I am made in the image of God. I am valuable because God says so. I am valuable because I bear the image of the Almighty, the God who spoke worlds into existence, created me to be somehow like him. It's okay to be who we are, even with all of our differences, even with my bigger than average head, even with the awkwardness that some of us have. We are the image of God, and that should be celebrated. God calls me a treasure. God calls me the apple of God's eye. I love the parable that Jesus tells of the treasure hidden in the field. He says the kingdom of God can be compared to this, that a man finds a treasure hidden in the field, and when he's found it, he goes and sells all that he has, and he goes and buys the field so that he can have the treasure for himself. Now, I've often assumed that that was a human looking for 
the kingdom of heaven and finds this treasure in the field. But I've later come to believe that God is the one who finds the treasure hidden in the field. And then God goes and sells all that God has, including God's only son, to purchase that field so that God can have the treasure for God's self. We are the treasure. We are God's treasure. I am God's treasure. I can rest in that. But the same is true for you. You are a treasure as well. You are the treasure of God. You are made in the image of God. But that's the rub, isn't it? I like being made in God, God's image. I like knowing that that is who I am. But sometimes it's hard to like other people that are made in God's image. Sometimes we look around ourselves and we see some of the people around us and we say, surely not them too. Surely they are not also in God's image. But the scriptures tell us that it's so. And so when we think about embracing justice, it means embracing one another as images of God. Even people we don't like, even our enemies are image of God. If we're to embrace justice, we must, we must see the image of God in them and learn to embrace one another. A few weeks ago, I was with some of our families uh, worshiping in a church in the inner city. It was a church that's dedicated to serving our homeless population there. And a lot of the homeless also suffer from mental difficulties as well and most untreated. And so it was an interesting crowd that was there that day. And we had we worshiped with them and then served them a meal. And at one point, one of the ladies in the room who was homeless and had her own mental challenges uh, actually pulled down her pants in the sanctuary and was about to go to the restroom there. And we have to ask, we have to ask ourselves, who are not used to such things, is this woman too the kingdom, uh, is this woman too made in the image of God? And to that I have to say a resounding yes, she is the image of God. And justice means that we are interconnected and we are interdependent, that in order for me to live in a just world, I've got to extend love and care to women like that, and to all others with whom I might struggle. We must honor the image of God in others. But we also must honor the image of God in the creation around us. It's not given to us to abuse. The earth is not a possession that we can just tear apart for our own monetary gain or for our own benefit. Uh, it is there for us to care for. In fact, the first job that God gave human beings the, the first thing that he told us to do, we read it just a few minutes ago in chapter 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. Our first charge from God is to care for the creation, to make sure that this very good creation that God has given us stays intact and is healthy. In fact, you even see that in the original language. The Hebrew word for human that's used in Genesis 1 and 2, most of 2, it changes later, is Adam. That's where we get the word Adam. Adam means the human, the human being. The word for earth that is used in Genesis 2 is Adamah. Sounds very similar, doesn't it? Human is Adam. Earth is Adama, 
In other words, the human is the one that comes out of the earth. We could also translate that fairly, the earthling formed out of the earth. And so even by the way that God calls us, we are related to the earth. We are called to care for it. Justice is not just about people, but it's also about how we interact with the environment around us. Now, regardless of how whoever's listening may feel about issues like global warming and who calls, causes that, regardless of all of that, God calls us to care for the creation. You see, justice is about restoring the created order. The goal of history is to get us back to what God wanted in the very beginning. The Garden of Eden is a picture of where we are going. When we think about the, the whole of history, we have this, these two chapters at the beginning of the Bible where God steps back and says it's very good. This is what God created. Uh, animals, people, the environment, all living in harmony together. And then after injustice enters the world in chapter 3, things begin to fall apart. There's sickness, there's disease, there's violence, there's wars, there's natural disasters. The whole creation is groaning. It has been marred. It is, it is suffering from what it was originally intended to be. And so we are called to bring in this kingdom of heaven to earth. We pray with Jesus in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So when we are talking about justice, we are talking about restoring the created order of Genesis 1 and 2. So we say that the end of history will be its beginning. In the very end, we see in the book of the Revelation, a new heaven and a new earth. What God intended in Genesis finally restored to perfection in the Revelation. What if in each action we considered the question, will this action restore creation in some way? I want to be a part of a church that does that. How about you?